welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and this episode was recorded live on the Sport Physiotherapy Canada Facebook page in support of the Third World Congress of Sports Physical Therapy, which will be held October 4th and 5th in Vancouver, Canada. So I've been uh, lucky enough to interview many of the speakers at the Third World Congress. And today's guest is no exception. Today I welcome Dr. Alex Hutchinson to the show. He is an author and journalist based in Toronto, Canada, and his primary focus is the science of endurance and fitness, which he covers for Outside Magazine, where he's a contributing editor, and he writes the Sweat Science column. His latest book, published in February 2018, is an exploration of the science and mysteries of endurance. It's called Endure, Mind, Body, and the Curiously Elastic Limits of Human Performance. It's an awesome book. I listened to it a couple of months ago. It's fantastic. So in today's episode, we talk about how to disseminate findings from complex research studies into a layman audience, which is what Alex does. Attention-grabbing headlines that commit to a point of view, his book Endure, and what Alex is looking forward to from the Third World Congress of Sports Physical Therapy. So like I said, this was all recorded in a Facebook Live. So if you want to watch us, if you want to watch us, you can go to the Sport Physiotherapy Canada Facebook page uh, and find our live video. And of course, you can also go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and we have the link right there for you. Um, so I'm not really, no, not a lot of editing here because you can always go and watch it uh, on the Facebook page, but a big thanks to Dr. Hutchinson and to the committee at the Third World Congress of Sports Physical Therapy for letting me do this. So enjoy everyone. Hey everybody, welcome to the Third World Congress of Sports Physical Therapy Facebook page and I am your host, Karen Litzy, and we have been doing several of these interviews over the past couple of months in support of the Third World Congress of Sports Physical Therapy. And today we have writer, journalist, author, athlete, Alex Hutchinson, who is part of the Third World Congress. He's going to be uh, part of a informal Q&A and also doing a talk with Gre Greg Lehman, who's already been on. So Alex, welcome to Facebook Live. Thanks very much, Karen. It's great to be here. All right. So for those people who maybe aren't as familiar with you, um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah. I mean, I guess when people ask what I do, I say I'm a freelance journalist. But if you if you uh, kind of drill down a little bit, my subspecialty is like I'm a sports science journalist or even an endurance sports science journalist, which isn't really a job, but it's, it's effectively what I do. Uh, so I write for, for Outside Magazine, and in a few other places, there's a Canadian running magazine and a newspaper in Canada called The Globe and Mail, but mainly outside magazine about the science of endurance sports, sports more generally, adventure, fitness, health, all those sorts of things. Uh, it's fairly fairly broad, you know, stuff that interests me. I look at, try and look at the science angle of it. And so that means talking to a lot of 
uh, you know, I, I, sometimes I talk to athletes and sometimes I talk to coaches, but mostly I talk to researchers who are trying to use, uh, you know, research studies, peer reviewed, uh, you know, placebo controlled blinded studies to answer questions that a lot of us have when, when we exercise, you know, what workout should I do or how should I refuel or these sorts of things. Right. So you're taking, which I think is great. You're taking the research and you're able to disseminate that out into the, if you will, layman's audience. That, that's the goal. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's interesting because I, I was a, I was a, a run, I come from a running background. I was a competitive runner. Um, and I was a, a guy interested in science, but there wasn't a, when I was competing in the sort of nineties and early two thousands, it, to me, at least it seemed, it wasn't very easy to, I didn't even know that there were, you know, thousands of researchers around the world trying to answer these sorts of questions. Uh, and I think it, for me, it was in the middle 2000s, I started seeing some columns in the New York Times from Gina Collada and mm -hmm. then from, from Gretchen Reynolds. Uh, Gina mm -hmm. Collada had a column called Personal Best, where she was like looking into the myth that lactic acid causes fatigue. And this was maybe around 2005. And I was like, holy mackerel. And she was interviewing scientists who were, who were asking these questions. And I thought, there are scientists who care about lactic acid? It's like, so that, that's, that kind of started me on the, on the path of, of thinking that of, of realizing there's a body of research out there that that wasn't reaching interested lay people like myself. So I started pursuing that. And I think today there's a lot more, like th there are a lot of avenues through which uh, exercise science reaches the lay people. Uh, I feel like I'm one of those channels, but it's definitely, there's it's a lot more, there's a lot more options for people now, including directly from scientists themselves in places like Twitter. Exactly. And I think that's where, you know, in the late 90s, mid 2000s, social media certainly wasn't as robust as it is now. And now you have scientists and researchers being encouraged to get onto these platforms and disseminate some of their information, whether it be through tweets or infographics, podcasts, Facebook lives, things like this. So I think the, the leap from relatively nothing, you know, meaning researchers kind of doing their research, but not having perhaps the means to get it out to a wider audience outside of a journal that not every lay person reads, yeah. you now having such great avenues to disseminate this information. Do you feel like it's made a difference in the general public? I, I think it has. I, I think, I mean, it's, it's hard to really evaluate this stuff, but my, my sense is there's a, a higher level of literacy or, or sort of awareness of ish, you know, things like how to fuel that's maybe not just drawn from, I heard it from a guy at the gym or I heard mm -hmm. it from, from my mm -hmm. coach who heard it from his coach who was taught by, by, you know, some guy in, in 1830 that, that mm -hmm. this is how it works. I mean, I would almost say that we've gone from a, a, a place of scarcity to a place of excess that now it's not like you can't find information. Now there's these fire hoses of information just drenching you with 20 different theories, all of which seem to be supported by scientists about how you should eat, how you should exercise, how you should move and all these sorts of things. Uh, so now, uh, you know, whereas I, so I started writing about sports science, let's say 15 years ago or a little less than that. And at that point it was like, let's get the information out there. Let's people don't, don't realize that there's information. Now it's like, there's all this information. Let's curate the information. Let's try and provide people with uh, some judgments about what's reliable and what's not. Why we think that some some sources of information are better than others. How each person can evaluate for themselves whether this is trustworthy. Uh, you know, and th th this is obviously not an easy or uh, there's not like one answer to this study's right and this study's wrong. But but um, 
yeah, I feel like the the my role has shifted a little bit from get the information out there to okay, maybe I can be a trustworthy source of curation where I'm giving people the information, not necessarily telling them what to think, but saying here's the evidence. Now you may choose to think this evidence isn't convincing enough for you to switch to the you know the all banana diet, or you may not. But here's here's what the evidence as it exists. Yeah, and that's a great lead into to next question is when we look at quote unquote fake news, and we can categorize that as misinformation or disinformation. So misinformation being like you're putting something out there and you think it's good, but you just don't know that the information is bad versus disinformation, which is, I guess we can categorize more as propaganda. So you know the information's not correct, but you're pushing it out there anyway. So I think it's important, to, both of those are fake yeah. news, but it's important to make that distinction. So as a journalist, how how do you navigate this? And how, I mean, this is a question that's, I know the end, but how important is it for you to get that right? Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> getting it right is important to me. And yeah. I, I'm glad you made that distinction because I, I think that's an important one because, you know, fake news in the politicized sense is, is another way of saying propaganda. And I think that's mostly not what we're dealing with in the in the exercise or the, the health space. I mean, there there is... Actually, I mean, you know, let me take that back a little bit. There, there, there are people who are just selling things to make money. Who are just they don't right. they don't really care whether it's true. They're 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 putting steroids into their or stimulants into their strength supplements because they just want people to feel a boost, and they're just flat out lying about. What, so those people are bad, <laughs> and 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 we, and they're also not that hard to spot. If truth truth be told, if you're if you're critical, what's what's tougher is the you know, what you what you call uh, misinformation rather than disinformation, uh, which is people honestly believe there's like, I tried this diet, it works for me. E therefore, everyone should be doing it. And I read this study that shows that people who do this diet, uh, you know, increase their levels of some inflammatory marker that and that proves that confirms my belief. And therefore, I'm going to become an evangelist for this. And I'm going to say that everyone who disagrees with me has been paid off by big industry and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and sometimes it's not quite that. I mean, I'm caricaturing it, but but it's yeah. uh, people uh, pe people don't have strong don't have as, as strong beliefs about you know controversies in particle physics because we don't have personal experience in particle physics. When yeah. you're talking about health and exercise and eating and things like that, we all have our we have our experiences, and so we map that on top of whatever evidence we're we're uh, we're experiencing. And I include myself in this. You know, my my yeah. experiences play into what science scientific research i find plausible so that creates a a different dynamic so to to answer your actual question how how do i navigate this i, I mean imperfectly like every like every other human but my goal in in what i write what i what i try and do is if i'm writing about a, a study my the the perfect the, the, you know article from my perspective is the one in which i'm able to sort of take the key graph from that study cut and paste it into my article and say, here's what they, and then describe what the study was. Here's what they did. Here's what they found. And I'll take it a step further than that because I am, my role is to interpret. I'll say, here's what I think this means, but I want to make sure I'm giving enough information that someone who doesn't think that's what it means is also, can also see, well, that's what the evidence was. And it's like, well, no, I don't agree that that's, that should change my behavior or whatever, but I'm giving them, I want to give people enough information so they understand what the study did and what it found. And then the meaning they can they can be if I'm if I've given up people enough information they don't have to rely on me telling them that this is what it means even though I am going to tell them what I think it means. Mm -hmm. And how if you were to give tips to let's say the layman person say it's like my mom or you know your 
your friend who knows nothing about science, who doesn't have a PhD in, in physics, and we'll get back to that uh, with you in a second. But what tips can you give to the layperson on how to spot this misinformation? How to, because the thing is, when you look at a lot of articles, they're always citing this study, that study, this study. Yeah, it's it's, well, it's no longer study. So yeah. okay. <laughs> it, it used to be like show me the peer reviewed evidence, but it, I've 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 slowly realized, you know, and understood that there is a peer reviewed study for everything. And you know, ten years ago, I used to get I'd see a study saying, you know, hey, the, the you know the, the fruit of this plant, if you take it, it's going to increase your endurance by two percent. It's like, well, they have a placebo controlled, double blinded study published in a peer reviewed journal. It must be true. I'll write about it. And then, uh, you know, years would pass and I'd be like, I never did hear about that extract of, of such and such a plant. Mm -hmm. I, again, like no, it never turned out to be a thing. And I sort of finally under, you know, started to understand the bigger systemic problems, which is that if you have, you know, thousands of grad students across the country looking for a, a master's thesis that can be done in six months or an experiment that can be done in six months, they're testing all sorts of things. And if it's not interesting, they don't publish it. And if it happens by chance to produce a positive uh, result, then they publish it in a journal. So we get this sort of, there's always public positive studies about everything. So, um, gosh, I've, I've, I've lost the thread of, of, of where I was going with this, but, but uh, um, so you know, the, what tips would you give? Yeah, so that's what I was saying, which is that yeah. just the mere presence yeah. of a study isn't enough. So there is no simple template, but I would say there are some guidelines like follow the money. If someone's trying to tell you something, sell you something, um, you know, it's, it's obvious, but it's surprising what a good rule of thumb that is. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's why we see so much information about pills and technology and so little information about, you know, another study showing that sleep is good for you or that, you know, you know, getting some exercise is good for you because it's very hard to monetize that. And so there's, there's mm -hmm. less. Incentive. So, so I'd watch for that. And I, uh, you know, I don't mean to sound like a patsy or, or like someone who's, who's, you know, promoting my own way of seeing things, but I think there are some sources that are more sort of authoritative than others. And frankly, uh, the mainstream media still does a pretty good job relative to the average blog. Now, there are some great blogs out there. And I, you know, and I will say I started out in this, I, I set up my own blog on WordPress, and I blogged there for five years, just just analyzing studies. And then Runner's World asked me to bring the blog onto their site, and then it got moved to outside. So it's not that there aren't good blogs, and you can maybe get a sense of 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 mm -hmm. of what people's agendas are and what their backgrounds are but uh you know if it, it, i know that i know in this highly politicized world i know that this may be a controversial thing to say but if i see something in the new york times i'm more likely to believe it than if i see it on you know joe's whole health blog and mm -hmm. and i i read the new york times and i i get frustrated frequently and i say no they're getting this wrong that they, they that this is not a, a full picture of this nobody's perfect but i think that uh you know people with credentials and and uh, getting through some of those gate gatekeepers is is one way of filtering out some of the absolute crap that you see out there perfect yeah i think those are very easy tips that people can kind of follow so sort of follow the money see whose commission said rct uh systematic review and and oftentimes especially on blogs, it can be a little tricky because someone may write a blog and you're like, oh, this is this is really good. But then when you look down, it's like the blog is sponsored by 
so-and-so. And, and that's the reputable people who are acknowledging who's sponsoring them. Yes. That, then there's yeah. the people who are getting free gear, free, free product or money straight up. Mm -hmm. And, but they're not, you know, like there's levels of, 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 of influence and the people who are disclosing it, at least are disclosing it. Yeah. Uh, but, but nonetheless, it's, you know, one of the, one of the, 